My name is James Rowlands, and in 2015, I started with my friend, Dan White. And for nearly five years, we have brought you the very best of the network, but it's time for a change. Now we don't just confine ourselves to Vinnie Mac, bringing you AEW, Impact, NJPW, and all the latest for the British wrestling scene. But we will still bring you all of our old favourites, including NXT Update and all the big four events live. But tonight, it's time for NXT TakeOver Portland. The, the WNR, WNR are live. So, yes, hello, my name is James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today it's the WNR 273. We are live for NXT TakeOver Portland. Dan, are you excited for tonight's event? I am always excited for an NXT TakeOver event. They never fail to deliver. There's some huge matches on the card as well. Right, shadow of a doubt. We've got no time for an ultimate intro, but Dan, you have got your intro. Yes, tonight we bring you our fourth live show of the year and your very first NXT TakeOver. But we start with you, lovely lot. Yeah, so it's time for shout-outs. We start off with Andres Ares and Johnny Gagano, the first ever NXT Triple Crown Champion. Finn Balor, the longest reigning NXT Champion. This is going to be awesome. When you think of two guys who define NXT, is there anybody else apart from Gagano and Balor that you can think of? Um, I don't think there is. No, you know, Finn Balor, he kind of held the crown before the kind of new era took over, which included Johnny Gagano, um, Tommaso Ciampa and all that lot. So, you know, kind of, I think Johnny Gagano's, you know, he's an NXT stalwart. He's someone that is NXT. Yeah, I, I mean, I have to agree with you, you know. Like I said, the, the, the fact is that both of these guys done so much battle with the only going, and now Gagano, what he's done recently... It would be an interesting point to argue who's done more for the actual brand, whether it be Gagano or Balor. But to just see these two guys have a, a match that's going to go about half hour, it should be brilliant. Uh, up the next shout out, Ultra Instinct Goku. So the NXT is doing a fantastic job with Finn Balor. The way he's been booked to look absolutely top notch. Give him 20 plus minutes and you in for a match of the year candidate already. I wholeheartedly agree. Absolutely, yeah. I mean. I think this is going to be the match of the night without a shadow of a doubt. I know you have mixed feelings on Finn Balor, but you can't deny that he can deliver. Johnny Wrestling always delivers in matches. Yeah, no, I have to agree with you. Like I said, you know, when you talk about two wrestlers that can get a job done, is these two guys. And Finn Balor is a guy when motivated, when given the right stuff. I think the Hill Balor has been brilliant. Some of his best stuff he's done in WWE, and it's weirdly enough, he's doing it in NXT like he did kind of the last time round as well. As for match of the year, yes, have we had, we've had a couple of match of the year candidates really, I know we're only in February, but this one could definitely happen. You know? Absolutely, and as long as wrestling keeps delivering match of the year candidates, I'll be happy for the route of the year anyway, so that is all I want to see. The next one? Uh, up next we've got Johnny Price and Gagano says... I don't want to. I don't want the Balor that lost to Bobby Lashley seventeen weeks in a row on Raw, and that segment was absolute money. Yeah, I think it's good when they like bring back stuff from the past because sometimes WWE don't like to reference stuff that's happened. 
Uh, do you think that's good? Gagan actually said that because you know Balor's come back to NXT, being at the Bigham, but he was still doing that on Raw, wasn't he? You know. Absolutely. Um, you know, he did have a good run on Raw, but it was kind of underwhelming to say the least. Being back on NXT, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Perfect place for him. And I like the fact that they're bringing up all, you know, the stuff that Balor's got up to and, you know, they're kind of making it a bit more personal, but in the WWE world. Yeah, I think without a doubt, you know, and I think that's got to be referenced and Balor is kind of looking to redeem some story anyway. Uh, your Dong Shin said, how much fish could Bobby Fish fry if Bobby Fish could fry fish? I mean, to be fair, that was a great uh, segment, the, the way, you know, the comedy was going about. Well, as much fish as fish could fry if fish could fry fish. Yes. It's probably the answer to that. Well, exactly, yes. You know, so if you're actually looking at it. Next one, Dan. Next one. Matthew Riddle, Peter Doon, Kyle O'Reilly is a national treasure. Yeah, what are your thoughts on... Um, Kyle O'Reilly, as you know, you've said it for quite a while now. Or handsome Kyle, it's you know, it's not only his ring mannerisms as well. You know, he's when he gets hit hard, you see him kind of take it and then go down after a couple more swings. I think he's absolutely brilliant. And you know, if you're watching a match that features Kyle O'Reilly, just watch him and focus on him. And it is absolute golden. He's not done it so much recently. I think he's been a bit more serious recently. He needs to get back into that comic-y way that he was in before. But, you know, if his mic work's getting stronger, there is chance that he could become a standout solo performer at some point in his career. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, and it was Matt Riddle that said the could fire fish. So, I mean, to his credit, you know, he's funny as well. But Hilton Brand says, really think people turn on Matt Riddle at some point. I think either or, really. I think Riddle could do it as well because he's, I would say, at the two... Yeah, Dunn might look a little bit more hilly, but I think uh, Riddle's got the more hill mannerisms, if you know what I mean. I think the the hill mannerisms with Riddle thinks he's cocky, and, you know, he he's a cocky fuck. Um, we haven't seen too much to kind of back that up, you know, for him to be able to be cocky and get away with it just yet. But I think one of them's going to turn on the other at some point. Yeah, I think it will happen kind of eventually, I think, down the line. Well, Alicia Jackson says, I can't believe Bianca hasn't been champion already. She has everything. She's powerful, athletic, attractive, acrobatic. She has a whole lot of charisma. Yeah, I mean, can you argue with that, Bianca? It is a surprise. She has been around uh, for a little while, came so close against Baszler and people like that. Not got done a done job. Does she deserve an opportunity with the gold? I think she certainly does, yes. You know, she has done everything but capture the gold. So the only next logical stop is for her to be challenging from the gold and one day catch it before she moves up. Yeah, I think without a doubt. And maybe it could be happening at Portland. We just don't know. I mean, we're very Ripley being so strong. Of course, we have a run-through of the cards a bit. And, of course, all the other fun and games that we do with a live show, if you are listening to us for the very first time. Uh, next shout-out is JR. Not me. It is not me. Jerry, Jim Ross. Jim Ross may be AEW, you know. Uh, Vince says, uh, let's have Charlotte Berry. No, with... James, that's not how Vince would say it. Oh. God, all right. So Vince says, let's have Charlotte bury the Smackdown's women's division, damn it. Let's have a, have a women's division. And then Vince says, mission accomplished. Time to send her to NXT and bury the women's division too. So Vince I McMahon do it. it. hurt my throat too much. And then Triple H says, Dan. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, sir. <laughs> Whatever uh, you say. Yeah, and I'm like, Charlotte, but come on, really? I mean, that is an excellent point, uh, JR. Uh, the, the thing is with Charlotte is that she's the Roman Reigns of WWE now. She is, yeah. Um, you know, she is talented, she's good, but she's just pushed too much 
fans will t- eventually turn on her, which they started to. And, you know, it's not the first time I've heard someone getting fed up with Charlotte being front and centre of it. There is a lot more other women on the NXT, WWE, NXT UK roster to be able to be pushed up into that forefront without having overexposure of one person. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you there. I mean, Charlotte's all right, but you don't get pushed in the face. Next shout-out. Midnight Rocker says, I really want the Undisputed Era to be the evolution or DX of the main roster. I can't wait for their brand transition. But as in, I guess, wanting to be the powerful entity, because when you think about DX and Evolution as a groups, even though they had Triple H as a member, they were quite different groups, weren't they? Well, they've got more chance of being the DX, because, you know, you've got DX, you've got their kind of standout heavyweight champion, you've got their standout mid-card title, and you've got their standout tag team champion as well. Whereas Evolution, it was full of, with a lot of runs under their belt. Yeah, I suppose that's true when it when it comes around. Uh, the the band transition to, I think the Undisputed Era will go up, go up fully formed uh, to Raw Smackdown, but when they go up, they have to be kind of successful. Will it be a three-way or a four-way, though? Will it be Roderick Strong included? Will he not be ousted? Or is it just waiting for them to drop their respective titles as a group before pushing them up after Mania, say? I feel the gap as a four because of the secondary championships. There's a chance for you. You have a chance to win all the gold on the main roster. And I think that's what they're going to look at. And then they have the split. If they do split beforehand, I will be very surprised. But I do see Adam Cole as kind of being the guy who... Then again, it all depends what happens on the main roster. Adam Cole's a guy who I think, a bit like Alistair Black you know, can go and have an actual kind of run with the the heavyweight championship if they need to. But then again, nowadays, it doesn't happen after a couple of years. It it takes five or ten years. Look at someone like Drew McIntyre and people like that as well. It takes a while to earn it. Well, absolutely that. You know, we've been saying, yeah, well, when such and such goes up, they're going to be a big hit, like Mm. Nakamura, Ali B, you know, and a lot of the others, Samoa Joe. And it's not, it's been... Brock Lesnar, it's been Seth Rollins, yeah. it's been Roman Reigns, it's still been the same Star Wars. Nak- so. Nakamura, sorry to interrupt, but he won the Rumble, didn't he? And still didn't win yeah. uh, a champion. He hasn't won a, a World Heavyweight Championship. Braun Strowman is a guy who we thought was so close to winning it, and now he's away than he has been in a while as well. So it's you know it's, it's good to say, oh, this is what they're going to do, but you never know once it, they they move to Raw or SmackDown. It is good in like you know a fantasy kind of way, but in reality, it's going to be Brock Lesnar for as as long as he wants yeah. it to be Seth Rollins, and you know it's not going to be like that. I really do hope they don't push them the same way as they kind of push Sanity. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Oof Christian said NXT have been fantastic the past month, especially in the last two episodes. I'm so intrigued in every single storyline. And that what that's what sets NXT apart from any other roster in WWE. I mean, NXT UK is kind of going in them footsteps, but NXT it is always been great at telling their stories because, you know, they've got so long between their takeovers, they can focus on the tag team division, they can focus on the women's division, they can focus on the mid-card, they can focus on the heavyweight title, and they're bringing aspects of it all throughout the whole shows, which is absolutely perfect. And I've always loved the way that NXT does things. Yeah, without a doubt. Like I said, the the, the, the wrestling on the show as well has kind of turned up a notch. Is where everybody's really, really trying at this moment in time. And it's a good time to just watch wrestling on a Wednesday night anyway, you know. So with NXT involved in that, with Portland, they're going to have to put on a big show and hope, you know, there will be a few surprises as well, you know. Absolutely, yes. Um, Igor180 says, I'm hoping for Yui to prevail at Portland 
and also that Roddy regains the North American title at some point so the prophecy can continue. Well, would you want to see the prophecy continue in NXT or would you want them to see move on? I would want to see them, right, they've completed this prophecy. That prophecy has come true. Their next prophecy is doing it on Raw, doing it on SmackDown and becoming, you know, respective champions on them brands as well. And, you know, the only way is up for Undisputed Era. They are really over with the crowd. They're really over with the fans. And, you know, they are a talented bunch of guys as well. So to have them and their prophecy on the main roster be a great focal point and they can run through, you know, everyone in their path throughout the next couple of three years and then get their prophecy at the top of the mountain. Yeah, wouldn't it be awesome as well if, talk about long-term story building, you have Keith Lee taking the US title, title off, someone like Roderick Strong as well, and then being the bane of Adam Cole's life and then eventually those two guys facing off for a heavyweight championship, you know, and you have that story set now. But again, it's WWE, so they'll probably go up and become the new 3MB. <laughs> Well, Luke Cooksey says, take over Portland, Tommaso Ciampa and the Broserweights versus the Undisputed Era. NXT and tag team titles, winners take all. Would you want to see a match like that? It would be very interesting. I don't think take over Portland. I think Tommaso Ciampa has got his kind of solo head on. You know, he's had his little run-ins with Johnny Gagano being a team with DIY there, but... There's only one thing he's focused on, and that's Tommaso Ciampa bringing Goldie back to daddy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think without a doubt. I think it will be interesting. The, the thing is, is when it comes to that, I think th- you need to have something on the line either end. You know what I mean? Rather than just one thing. It's like we saw before with Austin and Triple H. They were like in the kind of WWE versus tag. Same with like Shawn Michaels has done it. If you're going to do winner take all, do it NXT UK versus NXT and have... All the championships versus all the championships in a in a tag team match and just mix it up a little bit. That I think undisputed would be silly to put all the top on the line with nothing to win back. If you know what I mean. That's exactly that. Yeah. Um, Sega Sandova Sandava says from best friends to worst enemies. Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai rivalry is a thousand times better than the rivalry of Sasha Banks and Bailey in 2018. Well, Sasha Banks and Bailey's last great feud was in NXT, and they've been trying to recapture that magic. And sometimes the problem can be that's what you don't want to see from Gagano and Champa going up to the main roster and W trying to recreate that feud. That's where we you know Zayn and Owens was a little bit different, but again, very similar. You I know? was just about to bring that up. Zayn and Owens, they've had their problems on and off, and you know they've kind of friends, enemies, friends, enemies, and it has been a good story told, something that you can bring up. Sasha Banks and Bailey, on the other hand, didn't work, and I think that lasted all of two weeks before Bailey came back and she was a heel, and absolutely didn't work, and I completely agree, Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai has been an absolutely brilliant rivalry. It's not quite up there with Gagano Chomper, but it is. it has been a great rivalry. I think NXT so. haven't turned up the heat enough on Dakota Kai, especially after the attack at War Games. That was in November now. And now finally Tegan Knox is back. They kind of should have done maybe a little bit more for that. I think Tegan Knox is a great talent, but you can still get Dakota Kai over, even if she eventually loses a feud, you know what I mean, or whatever it is. You still put her... Because uh, I think she's been trying... A bit like Io Shai has completely changed the character with a heel. That's what we've seen Dakota Kai. We called her a Bailey rip-off, and now she's coming up... And a bit like Bailey, I suppose. Completely changed the character. Oh, fuck. No, but you know what I'm saying. So, at least we've seen something different. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Looney Longbottom. That's, uh... I don't think they're the real names here on the emails, but they might be. If they are, then oh, excuse us, Looney. 
Yes, Longbottom. <coughs> they should change their names, sound like George. George Longbottom. Well, Candice's gimmick is getting involved in people's matches, I see. Well, yes. Well, Candice is one of those kind of annoying ones at this moment in time that's really not uh, kind of doing much, but trying to help out friends. We've seen it before and go wrong. And usually it either ends the hill turn or just them looking stupid. So you've got the kind of Rikishi bit helping the rock out, eventually hill. Or you kind of got the Zack Ryder helping John Cena out, eventually thrown off the stage in a wheelchair. Absolutely that. And, yeah, you know, you saw what happened when Candice got involved in uh, Io Shirai. Io Shirai. Or Kari Sane. And Kari Sane. You know, she gets involved in everybody, Dan. <laughs> well. <laughs> Johnny Gagalo's not happy, but that's what I've no, heard. No, um, Yeah, well, you know, I think it's just something to keep Candice relevant, but not in the front line. I think there's better things for her to come, you know, in the future. And it's none of those in other people's matches. No. Well, Mega Bird the Nerd said, yes, we're finally getting Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic at a takeover. And for the North American Championship, this takeover will be epic. With that match, we've seen these two guys deliver before. Is this a chance to, to like, talk about match of the year candidate to go out and steal the show? Well, this is, you know, two big hosses. You know, you've got the... Agile and powerful Keith Lee going against the super strong Dominic Dijakovic. And, you know, for something on the line as well. So this match, it's it's not only a match between two guys, it's a match for a championship as well, which kind of makes matches a lot more special, in my opinion. I think without a doubt, and I think Keith Lee and, the, and, and Double D can put on a hell of a show here tonight. Uh, Messi Knight says, this match is for my coach. Keith referring to his former coach who recently passed. Oh, it's good, you know, doing shout-outs actually mean something for someone. Um, you know, there's a lot of tragedy that happens in the world and, you know, doing things for people that mean a lot to you is absolutely great and giving them shout-outs that they deserve. Without a doubt. Marcus Hammer, I hope that's your real name. Hamner. Oh, I was about to say, if it was Hammer, it would be great. Hamner, apologies, Marcus. This match was awesome. I can't wait to see Keith Lee versus Dominic. Uh, for the All North American Championship. Velveteen Dream is back too. This is a dream, baby. Uh, Velveteen Dream, Dan, you're a huge fan of, of the dream. Absolutely. I do like the way he's been acting. He's come back and he certainly is targeting Roddy Strong as well. He's got the picture of his wife and kids along with the Velveteen Dream on his tights. He's, um, you know, he is certainly a wind-up merchant and it is great the way he plays it as well. Just absolutely perfect. Um Keith Lee versus Dominic refer to our previous answer. I think yeah. that's going to be a great match. Um, but yeah, seeing the dream back, I can't wait to see what he's going to do and achieve next on NXT. No doubt. So Dory Laxon says, Chumper bleeding on the belt. That's some old school hard ass right there. I completely agree. All these talk about, it's weird, like, you know, Moxley, oh, so, so such like Stone Cold Steve Austin. And someone like Chumper, who who does that? It's kind of organic. That is more stone cold than. Yeah, I'm not just talking about because he's got bald and he's got facial hair. I talk about the kind of the, the sacrifice that championship means everything to him, like it did Stone Cold. And the fact that with blood, sweat, and tears, we've seen you know bleeding on the champ. And I love the kind of thing of like I said, he was bleeding on the gold, but he had golds in his blood as well. You know, man, like absolutely. <laughs> but it's it's not only that; it's the fact of. The rivalries don't bother him. The, you know, the yeah. feuds he's going into don't bother him. The only thing that does bother him is that championship. <laughs> and he will do anything it takes against whoever it takes to regain that championship. Yeah. Uh, which... and, 
it makes the championship feel even more important as well, doesn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, you know? yeah. Um, Bercy says, best feud, 2018, Gagano versus Chompa. 2019, Cole versus Gagano. 2020, Cole versus Chompa. Triple H, Regal, book the match, Cole versus Chompa until chapter three. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the way these guys have mixed and matched recently has been brilliant. And uh, it'll be interesting what which way they go with this. Is this the end of the Unspeakable Era at Portland? Or are we going to see kind of more of it as well? Be interesting to see uh, where they go. Dan, thoughts on that? Where would you want it to go? Or anything? Um, I'd like to see it. Well, you know, you've seen Gagano get the upper hand. You've seen Chompa get the upper hand. You've seen Cole get the upper hand. And I'd like to see all three of them in a Hell in a Cell match for the NXT Championship. <laughs> and it is, you know, whoever takes it, takes it. Yeah. And that will be the end of all of this. Full stop. <laughs> and, you know, that, that match run for a whole takeover event. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They will have, that will happen one day when they do it. Uh, so, I'd just like to say thank you, everybody, for your shout-out. So, like I said, we didn't, we didn't say earlier, but, of course, we've got games coming up as well, running through the card, uh, and lots else as we head towards TakeOver Portland. Uh, but we move on to news. News! And WCW is charged with DUI in Florida after hitting child. Well, Mark Hildreth, better known for his run in WCW as Van Hammer, was charged with driving under the influence and leaving the scene of an injury crash this week in Bonton Beach, Florida after reportedly hitting a five-year-old boy on a bicycle while drunk driving on Sunday. Police say Hildreth was driving 58 miles an hour in a 35-mile-an-hour speed in, in zone, and after making contact with the child, contact the child was thrown on top of the car's hood. He suffered possible internal injuries and road rash as a result of the accident, but the injuries were determined not to be life-threatening. <sighs> Palm Beach County judge set Hildreth's bail at 125 grand with an option for a house arrest. Well, Hildreth made his wrestling debut in 91 after being trained by Dan Spivy and Boris Malenko. After completing in a tryout match with Mark Mero, Dusty Rhodes signed both men to contracts for WCW. With the company, only lasted until 1993, but after a pair of dark matches with the WWF, he would re-sign with the company and stick around till his release in 2000. Fans would likely remember him best for his time in the flock and the misfits in action stables. When in an interview with the Palm Beach Post in 2013, he'll just said Rose originally envisioned him to be the next Hulk Hogan. Dusty introduced me to people by saying, this kid is the next Hulk Hogan. Dusty's a good man, but he wasn't doing me any favours. He said he admitted that he didn't watch wrestling as a kid. Never imagined he'd be doing it full time. A lot of the guys were second and third generation wrestlers. And long I come, Forrest gumping my way into it. Well, one person who spoke very highly of Hammer during the interview with Diamond Dallas Page. Mark's gone through the roller coaster of life. He's been as high as you can get and then dropped off the face of the earth. I love the guy. We can go two years without seeing each other and we pick up right where we left off. So, there we go. So, it's not good for him. I mean, why... This guy, I'm going to say it, and I think this guy's a dick. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, to be driving that fast in a in a, in a 30 zone... And to hit a child, to make the child fly into the air is just so scary. I don't care who you are, you know? This is just horrible. Absolutely, and, yeah. And speaking of horrible places, WWE Finance. Well, the WWE just got body slammed on Wall Street, losing $1 billion in market value for following a major corporate shake-up. Major, major corporate, corporate shake-up. Shake up. 
WWE co-presidents George Mariso and Michelle Wilson left the company last week, the dismissal being dubbed a management transition. The unexpected move spooked business analysts and caused them to lower their targets and ratings on the company's stock, which plummeted after the pair's dismissal by more than 20%. Experts have reportedly lost confidence in the legendary wrestling company, and there are several reasons why. WWE executives just held their investors' call to address their earnings report for the fourth quarter of 2019. Well, Brandon Thurston of summarised the key takeaways as follows. Well, WWE is considering selling pay-per-views to a streaming player as soon as quarter one in 2020. Record revenue near record net income. India and MENA TV deals still aren't done. WWE made $50 million from KSA again as expected. Annual trends in subs, attendance, merch sales are in decline. Yeah, and we've uh, touched on about the considering strategic alternatives to the WWE Network, and Vincent Mann may have just provided a glimpse of what he could look like after saying the WWE could continue on with the current network model with a free tier and enhanced pay tier. He mentioned that there are also other options. We also have an option right now. There's no more better time to exercise the selling of our rights of all the majors Quite frankly, all the majors are really clamouring for our content, so that could be a significant increase, obviously, in terms of revenue. That sure sounds like WWE is open to following in the footsteps of UFC's Fight Pass model. While the streaming service exists for most content, but the big events must be purchased on another platform. Vince later said if they decide to go this way, it will be announced in the first quarter of 2020, so we may well be hearing more about the potential new strategy sooner rather than later. This would present a significant change for consumers who have been accustomed over the last six years to paying $9.99 each month for all of WWE's premium content. Well, it's the fact that we go down the route WWE decides to, it will have an effect on... I think, I mean, this is crazy, Dad, because I'm not going to say this, but ever since we have stopped watching the WWE Network kind of full-time... They're really struggling without us, aren't they? You know? They are indeed. Well, you know, I did make it clear that I'd cancelled my network. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they're in decline. They really are. I mean, it's it's kind of one of these things that happens. With the net- I mean, I've been watching a lot of um, NJPW World and uh, Impact Plus as well. So that's been good to get my wrestling fix. But I suppose it's not all bad, though, for the WWE. Well, no, WWE reported a record-setting $960.4 million in revenue for 2019 as part of its 2019 fourth quarter and overall earnings outlook released Thursday. Where in addition to yearly earnings increased 3% for 2018 to 2019, the fourth quarter earnings of $322.8 million represented an 18% increase compared to the fourth quarter of 2018. WWE Chairman Vince McMahon said the following regarding the results. During the fourth quarter, we expanded the reach of W's live program and further enhanced with diverse audiences across platforms and formats. We believe the value of live sport will continue to increase, particularly in today's evolving media landscape. And we are well positioned to take advantage of this trend to maximise the value of our content. Well, WWE Interim Chief Financial Officer Frank Riddick also commented on the fact the revenue was actually lower than expected despite the fact it set a new benchmark for the company. For the year, we achieved record revenue and adjusted OBDA and completed a Middle East distribution agreement as well as lowest business performance than anticipated. Our results were at a low end of a guideline. As we work to strengthen engagement in 2020, we are pursuing several strategic initiatives that can increase the monetization of our content, including the distribution of content in the Middle East and India, as well as strategic alternatives for our direct-to-consumer service, WWE Network. 
Well, Riddick didn't expand upon what strategic alternatives to the WWE Network means, but it could simply be a case of supplementing the service rather than looking to scrap it altogether. Well, WWE reported a decline in network revenue and the number of paid subscribers, 1.389 million at the end of 2019, was down 9% from 2018 when the number of total subscribers was 1.459 and it was down 6.6%. There was a great deal of interest among WWE stockholders in Thursday's earnings report after stock prices plummeted last week in the wake of co-presidents Barrios and Wilson getting ousted from the company. WWE stock experienced a 27% dip and it's unclear what type of impact the earnings report may have had stock moving forward. The company's overall net income of $77.1 million in 2019 was down from $99.6 million in 2018. But the fourth quarter of 2019 yielded a net income of $69.3 million, up from $41.2 million in the fourth quarter of 2018. And while WWE reported a drop in live event ticket sales and consumer products, the WWE's agreement to hold shows in Saudi Arabia, plus a $1 billion deal with Fox to wear SmackDown, should ensure a steady revenue moving forward. After posting a record-adjusted OIBDA of $180 million, in 2019, Riddick noted the number is expected to reach somewhere in the range of 250 million to 300 million in 2020. So that's not all bad, then, is it? You know. Well, up next, my name is Paul Heyman. Well, Paul Heyman has been the executive director of Monday Night Raw since the summer of 2019 meaning that he has a big say in the creative decisions on WWE's flagship show. And while SmackDown now seems to be getting the better numbers on a week-by-week basis due to their big money move to Fox, Raw consistently producing a more entertaining product. The likes of Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens have been featured more, and we've had a memorable Becky Lynch and Oscar feud, and we've seen the rise of many younger athletic superstars who are getting more screen time than ever. Well, that's thanks to Heyman, who apparently has a number of personal projects he's working on in the form of superstars. Well, according to Dave the Twat Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Twatness, Heyman's guys are Ali B, Buddy Murphy, Ricochet, Humberto Carrillo and United States champion Andrade. And Murphy added a few to those rumours that Heyman has his projects by stating that the man himself has given him high praise. Well, working with Paul is awesome. Paul, during my NXT days where we originally met, gave me some nice words, Murphy told Digital Spy. Then he was drafted to 205 Live, then to SmackDown. I was kind of found myself a bit lost on SmackDown. No real direction, and Paul decided I'll be a good fit for his brand. Next face of Raw. It's just been awesome to sit next to him and learn from him and just pick his brain on everything. It's a great experience, and I'm very lucky to be drafted there. And Buddy Murphy's already reaping the rewards of being a Paul Heyman guy. He said he was a big part of my childhood. I watched him and everyone I saw on television. That's truth, mate. Be striking side by side by him. It's awesome. Well, with Murphy already a Raw Tag Team Champion, now alongside Seth Rollins, just a couple of months after moving to the Red Brand, things are looking up for the Aussie. Well, he's set for a big 2020 as part of Rollins' new stable, but may end up breaking away from that and becoming a main event single stars on his own right. So Murphy, um, he's one of my guys, Dan. I've always liked Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Andrade we're a huge fan of. Um, do you think it's right well, who he's picked? Apart from Humberto Carrillo, I like all of them. Um, yeah, I think they're all good talent, and it's all a good, it'll be a good little stable for Paul Heyman. I think it will be all right, you know. Like we say, we'll see what happens on Raw. Well, up next, Dan, it's about Chronic. Well, Brian Clark, who wrestled in WWE as Adam Bomb from '93 to '95, pleaded not guilty to drug and weapon charges 
in Maricopa County, Arizona this week. Well, according to TMZ Sports, Clark has been charged with conspiracy, illegal control of enterprise, transport and also selling narcotics, drug possession weapon during a drug offence. Well, Dennis Mikolis, the former keyboardist for the band The Buckinghams, was charged with conspiracy, illegal control of enterprise and tra- transporting or selling narcotics as well. And he also pleaded not guilty. Clark's attorney, Robert Jarvis, told the Arizona Republic that the charges are a result of a false allegations. The police report contains alleged facts that have been grossly misconstrued and are incorrect. That includes incorrect allegations linked to the medication and its use. Well, Jarvis added that the mark is a result of a Korean war pistol that Clark keeps at his home. Jarvis called it a family heirloom. Of course it is. Of course you keep that there. The 55-year-old Clark broke into WB93 under the Adam Bomb gimmick after brief stints in AEW, WCW, UWF and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. He was immediately pushed as a dominant heel due to his build as 6'6 and a 290-pound frame. Well, WWE's backstory for the Adam Bomb character was that he was a survivor of the Three Mile Island nuclear meltdown in Dauphin County, Pennsylvania in 1979. Clark was actually born in nearby Harrisburg, Pennsylvania in 1964, but the character was fictional. <laughs> Clark was eventually turned face, and while he seemingly had a ton of potential due to his size, look and merchandise possibility, he never developed into a big star. Well, WWE and Clark parted ways in 95 and he returned to WCW in 97 under the name RAF. He said, the problem with me is that Dusty always introduced me as the next Hulk Hogan. It really looked like that. <laughs> in 2000, Clark started using his real name and formed a team chronic with Brian Adams, who previously wrestled with WWE his crush. Well, Clark found most success of his career as part of Chronic as they won the WCW World Tag Team Championships twice. Chronic joined WWE after it purchased WWE in 2001 but after a fucking awful match one of the worst matches of all time Unforgiven 2001 Kane and Untaker versus Chronic WWE released both Clark and Adams. Well Clark has largely been outside the professional wrestling spotlight for the past two decades and hasn't had a match on record since a brief stint in Japan in 2002 and 2003. But that would be a fun match versus Van Hammer, wouldn't it? Uh, we move on to John Jones, and John Jones has continued to prove he's one of the greatest mixed martial arts fighters of all time. The 23-year-old defeated Dominic Reyes in an extremely tight contest at UFC 24-7, and in the process broke the record for most successful title history, with his latest win being his 14th. Yeah, he's done it all in UFC and may consider moving into professional wrestling. He's beaten the very best, done it for nearly a decade. It's stuff of true legacies. Most people are talking about a potential move to heavyweight for Jones, but what about WWE? In an interview with SI.com, Jones says it was inevitable. I've always respected WWE and I feel like the sports can be so similar, he said. I have the size and athleticism and the following to transition over really well. To get the opportunity to just show up even as a special guest would be a dream come true. Well, Jones is a freak athlete who no doubt will do very well in WWE. Daniel Cormier, Jones, long-time foe, has twice been beaten by the lightweight great. He's a long-time WWE fan and expressed an interest in working with the company too. Well, he was my last year's surprise <laughs> yeah, pick was, to yeah. be in WWE. And John Jones is going to be your next year's. <clears throat> How did you know? Have I you know, read my predictions? It opens the door to meetings such as one former UFC rival Lesnar and Cain Velasquez had and Ken Shamrock and Dan Severin. Yeah, let's not forget Tank Abbott. Jones' comments said that he sounds testing waters as opposed to having St. locked in, but outside of Conor McGregor, one might argue he's the biggest name in MMA today. So WWE certainly holding interest in it. 
It's up for debate whether Jones would do something less in his prime years, but his legacy in MMA cemented either way. A move to heavyweight is likely his first stop, but Jones would have the allure of size. W would argue convert over McGregor for more believable fights. And if W know the door is open, an offer is likely incoming. Well, that would be very interesting, but I think there's already too many former UFC stars in or about WWE or they MMA. Are. It's it's a shame because out of all of them, if you're going to have a fighter first, I probably would have John Jones fighting rather than Cain Velasquez just because they're more believable. The strikes that that guy can do would be quite a good matchup for someone you know who is you know be the same size as a kind of Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins. But you know, like I said, it's probably not going to happen anytime soon. If he does, it'll probably be one match against Triple H or something, wouldn't it? So or losing to Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Well, WrestleMania goes Hollywood. Yeah, we've only just hopped on the road to WrestleMania 36, but the location and venue for next year's event has already been revealed. The LA Times has confirmed that WWE's WrestleMania 37 will be held at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California on March 28th, 2021. Well, the stadium is said to be more than 85% complete, and it will officially at least 85% complete there. At least 27.9% complete. And it will officially open on July 25th with the first of two back-to-back concerts by Taylor Swift. You got your tickets. What, not Tay-Tay? Yeah. Well, the venue will have a seating capacity of 70,000 for football games, but can be expanded to a seriously impressive 100,000, which has been considered for WrestleMania. It also adds that the usual events will take place in the weeks surrounding WrestleMania 37, with the Hall of Fame on Thursday, followed by SmackDown on Friday and NXT TakeOver on the Saturday. Well, WrestleMania week will then conclude with Raw at the Los Angeles Staples Center on March 29th. WrestleMania 37 will mark the return of the event to LA for the first time since WrestleMania 21 was held at the Staples Center back in 2005. WrestleMania 2 and 7 were also held in LA. (laughs) Sorry, my bad. And already the A-lister has said that he should main event next year's event. I think the Miz should be in the main event. But Roman Reigns would love to face The Rock at WrestleMania. What would you rather see, the Miz in the main event or Rock versus Reigns, Dan? Um... Say your main event for WrestleMania right now. What is your main event for next year's WrestleMania? Go on. Um, Gagano versus Chumper for the WWE Championship. Universal Championship. Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. They're going to do it all over again. <laughs> Triple H's conference call. Well, WWE executive Triple H addressed several topics related to NXT during a media call Wednesday to promote Sunday's NXT TakeOver Portland event. According to Ryan Satin of ProSheet, Triple H responded to AEW Dynamite consistently garnering higher viewership and a better rating in the 18-49 to 49 demographic than NXT on Wednesday nights. It's about the long game and what we have to do is get the people in the younger demos. When you're promoted in younger demos and you're viewed in these younger demos probably, then you're the people that you attract. While NXT has scored a handful of wins in the four months the show has gone head-to-head, AEW has generally won, generally won the viewership and demo battles. Though part of that can be attributed to the excitement that comes along with AEW still being a new product. Well, Triple H noted that the demo breakdown for NXT is similar to Raw, which may be due to the fact both shows air on the USA Network. Although NXT is lagging a bit behind AEW as far as the numbers are concerned, the shows are constantly good, and NXT TakeOver Portland boasts a stacked card and has a chance to be one of the best wrestling events of 2020. Triple H also discussed NXT superstar Matt Riddle and some notion that Vince McMahon is unhappy with him in some way. Dan's good friend Dave Meltzer said... Uh, 
last week that McMahon doesn't like the fact Riddle has constantly laid down challenges to W champion Brock Lesnar and called out Bill Goldberg on social media and that McMahon views Riddle as an outside guy with no respect for the hierarchy of the business. Triple H shot that rumour down knowing that Vince has not expressed his disapproval regarding Riddle which is something McMahon would have done if he had any issues. Well, the game also confirmed Satin's previous report that Lesnar and Riddle exchanged words backstage at the Royal Rumble, but added that he's unsure if there's any legitimate heat between them or if they were just mercilessly, meritlessly working an angle. Well, Riddle was eliminated quickly from the Rumble match, but King Corbin was likely the root of the speculation that he's being punished in some way. Well, while Riddle has no problem speaking his mind, it hasn't impacted his success in NXT as he and Pete Dunne are set to challenge Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish of the Undisputed Era for the NXT Tag Team Championships at TakeOver Portland. All right, we move on to arrivals. Indie star Timothy Thatcher has signed a WWE development starting at the WWE Performance Center in Florida this week, according to sources. Well, Thatcher wrestled on various WWE indie promotions, including PWG, MLW and Evolve, where he was the longest reigning Vogue champion in history at 596 days from 2015 to 2017. He has regularly teamed with Walter in the tag team and stable Ringkampf, which is a precursor to NXT UK's Imperium. WWE has long been interested in the talented 36-year-old Thatcher, calling to PW Outsider, but he had reportedly turned down Fulham. Well, Thatcher has competed for independent promotions across the United States, United Kingdom, including Evolve, Progress Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, Revolution Pro Wrestling and Major League Wrestling. The 36-year-old defeated Drew Galloway for the Evolve title in July 2015 and held the belt until February 2017 when he lost to Zack Sabre Jr. So he defeated one Mag 7 (laughs) and lost to another Mag 7. That's That's how good the Magnificent 7 are. (laughs) As confirmed on WWE Bank by Ryan Satin, both Killer Cross and Timothy Thatcher have penned deals with the company. 34-year-old Cross first made his name Lucha Libre at AAA in Mexico and piled his trade for Lucha Underground and most notably in Impact Wrestling. It was at the latter promotion where Cross made himself a bigger name and became embroiled in a feud with current WWE star John Morrison in 2018. With his girlfriend Scarlett Bordeaux being signed to WWE as well, it was expected that Cross would in the end join her and now he has. Well, WWE signed indie wrestler Aya Smith who wrestled under the name Aya Pereira to a deal and will be joining NXT brand as a second female WWE referee. W.com confirmed the news saying Smith will be the first African-American full-time female referee in WWE history. The previous NXT referee, Jessica Carr, was white and was promoted to SmackDown last November. Originally from Brazil, the 25-year-old has wrestled in the United States, Japan and Mexico for promotions such as Girl Fight, Lucha Libre Feminil, Queens of Combat and Shimmer. They're all female promotions, I am led to believe. Yes, they are, yes. The W Performance Centre YouTube channel is a video of Cayman Seaman. I love that name. Canyon Seaman is the guy who's the senior director. How the fuck? Some of these guys' names, Trump and Seaman, my God. The director of talent development. Imagine getting turned down by Seaman, Dan. Imagine Seaman having to put an arm around your shoulder. (laughs) Well, Seaman has already come, James. Oh, well, he's breaking the news to Smith that she's hired. Smith cries upon hearing the news and called the greatest moment of her life until she releases a book of three years about the bullying that takes place. Well, Simone Johnson, daughter of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, signs on with WWE. Well, laying the smackdown is clearly in the family business. Simone Simeone Johnson, the 18-year-old daughter of The Rock, is signed with WWE, reports to the Performance Centre in Orlando, Florida. And if 
and when she makes her WWE in-ring debut, Johnson will be the first fourth-generation star in the promotion history. Johnson's father, Dwayne Johnson, is one of the biggest names in WWE and one of the great, uh, one of the most successful stars in Hollywood. Her grandfather was the late Rocky Johnson, an African-American pro wrestling pioneer, and her great-grandfather, the Rock's grandfather, was the High Chief Peter Maivia. To the little girl who fell in love with wrestling and said, "This will be my life one day." This is for you. Wrote on Instagram. I'm humbled, grateful, and ready to work. Let's do this. Well, she has been training at Performance Center on and off since 2018, though she was in high school at the time. High school. This moved to Orlando with a full time, with an eye towards a career in WWE. Simone Johnson's unbridled passion, incredible drive, has earned her a coveted spot training with the elite athletes from around the world at the WWE Performance Center. WWE executive Paul Triple H Levesque said in a statement. Not only does Simone have an an opportunity to cultivate and display her passion for WWE within the Performance Center, but she'll carry on the tradition of her incredible family lineage while creating her own impact as WWE's first fourth generation superstar. WWE Performance head coach Matt Bloom said in the release that Johnson has been crushing it in training. Assistant coach Sarah Amato said Johnson is like a sponge. Well, she knows what it takes to succeed and all the hard work and sacrifice that goes into it. Amato said, I won't expect anything less. In 2018, Dwayne Johnson told Good Morning America that her dream was to be a W wrestler. On Monday night, he congratulated her on making the dream that much closer to reality. Well, so what do you reckon? She's going to use the rock bottom and the people's elbow? Or do you think she's going to kind of go it on her own? And not the Charlotte Flair route. Oh, of course she'll go the Charlotte Flair route, won't she? So that's what always happens. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, so we move on to departures. And Rusev reportedly in contract dispute with WWE. Well, yes, he's in he's embroiled in a contract dispute with WWE, according to Dave the Twat Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Meltzer noted that Rusev has been taken off television because of the dispute, although it's unclear exactly what the disagreement is over. Rusev has been part of one of the longest running storylines in WWE. Bobby Lashley and Lana. Liv Morgan also eventually joined the angle, but the base of the story was that Lana had left Rusev for Lashley, which led to Rusev divorcing Lana, who then Lashley marrying her. Well, several matches took place in the storyline, and then Rusev came out on the losing end in all of them. He fell to Lashley in a singles match on Raw and at TLC, and he and Morgan lost to Lashley and Lana in a mixed tag team match on the January 20th episode of Raw. Well, Lana and Morgan had singles matches against each other each of the past two weeks, but Rusev hasn't been on TV. Well, Ryan Satin of Pro Wrestling Sheet reported in November that Lana signed a new five-year contract with WWE, and he noted at the time that Rusev was negotiating a new deal as well. Well, since no report regarding the Bulgarian brutes on the new deal has come to light since then, it's possible that he's riding out his current contract. Well, Rusev is a three-time US champion and had the singles match against John Cena at WrestleMania, but he has never quite been able to reach the top of the card. If his WWE contract runs out, he opts to sign with another company such as All Elite Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Impact Wrestling and Ring of Honor Wrestling. Perhaps he will be able to send to that next level in wrestling. Well, Tainara reportedly leaves NXT. Well, Tanara reportedly leaves NXT. Yes, you just said that. W superstar Tanara has reportedly left NXT over an undisclosed disagreement, according to Fightful Select. Well, per the report, most with the knowledge of the situation, situation. believe that Tanara left because of a financial dispute. It was also reported that she cleared out her locker at the WWE Performance Center. Well, it's a Brazil native who signed with WWE in 2016 following a successful career in judo and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. 
Well, Tainara took part in each of the two May Young Classic tournaments. She was also part of the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal at WrestleMania 34 in 2018. Well, while Tanara has made many appearances on XTTV over the past few years, she has primarily been used as a mid-to-low card talent and has had many opportunities to mix it up with the top women on the roster. Well, Tanara has not had a televised match since November when she beat Santana Garrett, and the most recent NXT match of any kind was at a January 12th live event in Buffalo, New York, where she and Bianca Belair lost to Mia Yim and Caden Carter in a tag team match. Well, NXT is arguably the best women's division of all wrestling, with Belair, Yim, Ray Ripley, Basler, Shai, LeRae, Tegan Knox, Dakota and others playing significant roles. That can make it difficult for a new female star to emerge, so perhaps Tainara has grown frustrated with the fact that she has yet to break through into a bigger spot. Uh, we should say Kathy Kelly has also been as well. Quite a surprise, Kathy Kelly. We're a big fan of her, the 31-year-old. Uh, she started in 2016 with WWE, but has gone on to, obviously, other projects now as well. So it's a shame that she has left. And uh, like I say, I'm sure we'll place her sooner rather than later. So we move on to NXT Update. And yes. Dan, when does the NXT Update start? Now! Yes, it does. So February 12th is a go-home show. Well, last week's highlights bring us in as normal. Then Mauro Ronaldo welcomes us to full sail. Before he even gets a chance to introduce us to Nigel McGuinness and Beth Phoenix, Roderick Strong is here. Well, Roddy says, no disrespect to the boys in the era, but this isn't about them or the North American title. This is about Velveteen Dream crossing the line and putting his wife and son on his gear. It was his wife and son. He demands an apology, but he doesn't get Dream. He gets Bronson Reed, who's pissed strong and took him out backstage last week. So, yes, it is Roderick Strong versus Bronson Reed. Reed charges the ring and we get the bell. The Aussie wins the first exchange, punctuating it with a slam and elbow drop. Well, Roddy evades another dive and drives Bronson into the ring steps. He works the heat, but Reed is back in the driver's seat by the time we're full screen again. He drops strong throat first on the top rope and follows with a lariat for two. Two. He flatters him with a senton and climbs, but with a forearm. He tries to the suplex, loosens him up with an insecurity and then hits it. Too slow in the cover and only gets two. Two. Reed rolls out and strong follows with a five. But five. The lights go out and a purple glow... Purple fills the arena. Bronson with a dive and throws strong in the ring. He climbs and jumps up right into a high knee. High knee. High knee. And Roderick Strong defeats Bronson Reed via pinfall. Well, Dream's voice hits the speakers and we see his call me up marina tights on the screen. He asks if Roddy remembers when he met his wife because he remembers when the Undisputed Era tried to cripple him and take away his career. Strong has a lot that could be taken away and a picture of the Strong family comes on the screen. Velveteen promises that if anything happens to Roddy, someone will be there to take care of Marina. A pissed-off strong races backstage. Well, we get a video of the Broserweights. Matt Riddle says the three of them need to get to Portland. Him, Pete Dunne, and the Dusty Cup. Dunne says they can't fly with a trophy, so the bro announces a road trip. Pete drives alongside the road for a bit, and then the Broserweights get pulled over. Matt says to let him do the talking, we'll see the car being loaded onto a tow truck. Neither of them have licenses. Don't ask what now, and we get a... To be continued. Well, Kathy Kelly interviews Angel Garza backstage. He reminds us that he didn't lose the belt since Swerve was the guy Devlin pinned at Worlds Collide. Leo Rush interrupts and says the guy Garza beat for the belt a few months back. That guy is gone. Garza doesn't seem worried about Leo Rush. 
Well, we get Candice Ray versus Dakota Kai. Kai charges foot first at the bell, but gets hit by a lung blower from Candice. They trade head kicks, and LeRae flies with a series of dives that drive Dakota to the barricade. She rolls her into it and heads up top. Miss of Tropicate gets two. Two. Kai plays possum. Hello, possums! Then connects with a path strike to Candice's eye. After another kick, Dakota tortures LeRae a bit. They end up battling on the apron at the ring post. Somewhere in there, Candice gets a bloody nose. She's to the face, covered in blood, as we get a commercial. Well, swinging neck breaker from the second rope by Larea as we return, but the Cabrada comes up empty. She grabs Kai for a suplex and locks in a Gagano escape, but Dakota fights. She doesn't make the ropes, but does manage to counter into a pin. Dakota Kai defeating Candice Larea via pinfall there. Well, Larea stalks Kai afterwards, but that doesn't go well for her. She gets flattened and hit with the ring bell. Here comes Tegan Knox for the save, but it ends up taking a bunch of security to tie Knox up so Dakota can get away. We're reminded about Kai versus Knox on Sunday, and that segs into a talk of Johnny Gargano's match at TakeOver. We see his confrontation with Cameron Grimes for the weekend. Their match is next. Yes, it is Johnny Gargano versus Cameron Grimes, my pick. Marvo reminds us that this is Johnny's first match at full sale since Finn Balor attacked him last year. Grimes and his hat charge right at Gargano, but the referee makes him wait for the bell. Johnny wins the early technical exchanges. We get a face bust to close line. Cameron avoids a dive. pulls up and hits the slingshot spear. Nifty sequence ends by a roll up from Johnny. Then a swinging cut when Gagane gets two. Two. For Grimes. The exchange strikes and do some comedy-esque rope running to the hill. Hits a spinning cross body. Each man hits a super kick. Then Grimes goes for the cutter again. But Johnny counts in his DDT. After a scramble, Cameron jumps for a cave in. But Gagane spins it and gets the submission finisher locked in. And Grimes instantly taps to the Gagano escape. Yes, Johnny Gagano defeated Cameron Grimes via submission. Adam Cole is with Kelly. He's going to teach Kushida a lesson tonight, and he'll teach Tommaso Ciampa a lesson. He's sick of hearing about how Tommaso never lost the title. The belt means the world to him too, and he'll do anything to keep it. He dismissed Kathy. We see the Broserweights take on some, wa- uh, on some water, and Pete asks if Matt's plan to take a boat to Portland. The camera pans out, and they're peddling a swan-shaped raft gimmick. Riddle says that's not the plan. These are just peaceful waters where he... Light bulb, dude, to be continued. Well, we see Robert Stone at the head of a large conference table. Next week, they're getting a do-over against Caden Carter. There's no way we'll get free against Chelsea Green again. They're restarting their brand. And it is Leo Rush versus Angel Garza. Well, the pants are right off from the start. It's a lightning start, fast start. Seeing several near misses for Garza now as a drop kick. Well, Leo's doing fine when we return, though, sending... Garza to the outside and planted him with a DDT. In the ring, spin kick to the head gets two. Two. Kicks to the chest, but Angel catches on to start kicking ex- to start a kicking exchange. Rush tries for the come up, but gets kicked in the back. Garza goes for his finisher, but get- doesn't get all of it. He sets up for wing clipper from the middle rope, but Rush counters into a crusher. Garza rolls out, but Leo follows with a frog splash to the floor. He goes for the final hour in the ring, but Angel gets the Gets the knees up. Big super kick and Garza goes for his finisher, but Leo gets the roll up. He's the number one contender for Jordan Devlin's cruiserweight title. Yeah, and a really good match between these two guys. I know you hate Leo Rush, but some of the stuff he's doing is is quite... It's different, you know, very, very impressive. And I've got to give him credit for that. He likes using the bottom rope, which is pretty cool as well. Well, Devlin meets him on stage, congratulates him on being the next stop on his cruiserweight title tour. But he doesn't like his chances because you never bet against an ace. Leo jaws at him a bit and we'll learn that that match is next week. 
We're told Keith Lee will be on WWE Backstage next week, and then we get a Mark Henry narrated video package about Lee and Dominic Dijakovic. We'll get another reminder that NXT loves Poppy, and that should be in Portland with them Sunday. Then he announces run down the card. We've got Bianca Belair versus Santana Garrett. The EST drops Garrett at the bell, Springford, Springboard Moonsault, lift and drop face first onto the top turnbuckle, then KOD. Bianca Belair defeated Santana Garrett via pinfall. Yeah, Mike wonders what about Ray Ripley continues to go to Raw like she isn't even here. But go ahead and keep overlooking her because on Sunday she'll take the title. That brings out the champ. <clears throat> so she wanted the champ and here she comes, Ray Ripley. He's been on the roll, and she looks like a star as well, Dan, doesn't she? You know, Absolutely, yeah. She's carrying that belt well. She asked for a microphone. She has the microphone. She is the microphone. You're a mic. We've got microphones. We have. Oh, she assures her she's not looking past her at Charlotte, but looking right at her. And at Portland, she's going to go right through Bianca Belair. Oh, Belair tries for the sneak attack. Ray Ripley ducks it. As she's taken her jacket off, though, Bianca Belair uses that as a chance. To plant Ripley with the OD. Oh my god, Bianca Belair with the long hair, with an absolute assault. And Bianca Belair with a statement there. Can she get the job done, Dan, at TakeOver? Possibly, possibly. We'll find out later. We will. So we're back with the Broserweights, Dan. Well, yes, Riddle and Riddle Dunn and DC are on a runway with a private jet. Pete can't believe it, but Riddle says he knows a guy. They discuss about how to get a trophy in the boot, and Dunn doesn't like Riddle saying boot or trying to do a British accent. The bro convinces Pete to crawl into the luggage compartment first, then shoves the trophy in and climbs it himself. Dunn asks whose plane this is anyway, and we see Triple H board. Matt shouts, we're going to Portland, and we see the plane take off. Well, Champa is in the Performance Centre conference room watching this scene where he turned over the top before his neck surgery. He said he was going to come back stronger than ever, but the truth is he was scared. He runs through somewhat ifs and beat Adam Cole. Sunday and Cole becomes the longest reigning NXT champion in history. What if someone can beat him, though? And what if Champa is that someone? They say the man who has nothing to lose is the most dangerous all. When Cole looks him in the eyes, he'll know that's true. And up next is Kushida versus Adam Cole. This is a non-title lock-up. This is non-title. Lock-up and Cole slaps Kushida's chest on a ref break, which angers a Japanese superstar. He takes the champ down and sends him to the floor. Ronaldo tells us that Cole is alone, as Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly are already en route to Portland, and Roddy is an emotional mess after Dream's mind games. Well, back to action, Kushida targets Cole's elbow and locks an armbar in on the floor. It's almost a full 10 count. It's all Kushida until he tries to follow a baseball slide with a dive and a champ meets him with a super kick. We split screens, the unspeakable era leader goes to work. Well, arm drag shortly before we return gets Kushida going again and the hands heel kick softens Cole up on the top. They battle there and Kushida with a destroyer slash DDT looking move right into the cross arm breaker. But Cole gets the bottom rope, kicks to the damaged left arm, but Cole fights off a hoverboard lock to hit a shining wizard to get separation. Separation. They trade four arms and kicks in the centre of the ring. Kushida with a fastball punch. Yuri Garoshi for Cole for two. Two. Both men are down and the champ is up first and loads his knee pad. But Kushida evades last shot. Another super kick gets another near fall. Panama sunrise attempt. But Kushida was playing possum. Hello, possums. Hoverboard lock. Cole fights to the rope but gets rolled back to the middle. Knees to the head while wrenching the arm. But Cole finally gets free with a roll up. They trade covers for two. Two. Kushida dodges a strike and delivers a Pele kick. 
Rapid fire head kicks, but Cole lands a kick off the ropes, then hits the last shot. So Adam Cole defeats Kishida via pinfall. Well, Cole gets his belt and possess, but here comes the black heart. Chompo slowly walks to the ring where the champ is waiting. He circles the ring, staring at Goldie. He climbs through the ropes and circles Cole doing the same. Chompa says, in Portland, I take my life back. Cole responds, over my dead body. Wow, so that was NXT. What have you thought of NXT, Dan, and this episode and the build-up to Portland in it general? It's been great. It's certainly been building up to Portland, and I think it's going to be a very exciting pay-per-view. I think all the matches look like they're going to be ones to deliver as well, not one weak link amongst, amongst the bunch. No, without a shadow of a doubt. So after NXT update, we're going to play a few games because we always play games. And of course, we've got the old favourite coming up. We'll do that last and the one new ones. But first one I want to play with you because we don't play many. Ga- I don't play many games with you, Dan, do I? So what we're going to do, I'm going to test your knowledge. But it's a knowledge that I've helped you build and I think you'll be good at. And it is NXT Champions. Now, we're just on the NXT Championship, i.e. the men's division. Okay. Right, so it's going to be very simple that you had... No uh, preparation for this before? I have a We went here, no idea? Okay, so I'm going to ask you just a few questions, all right? So, with NXT involved, I want you to go through every single NXT champion since the very beginning. Now, you can come back and answer some, but I would like it in that order. Well, from the beginning? From from the beginning, yeah. There is a couple of facts about NXT (laughs) Championship as well that I wouldn't mind you answering. Uh, If you say what, I mean, we can, you know, we can talk about that a bit later on as well. All right, so if you want to start, who is the very first NXT champion? Seth freaking Rollins. Yes, Seth Rollins. Do you know what year, if you were to take a guess? Um, That has to be right. This is not part of the bonus. 2012? 2012 he was, yes. Guess the month? Um, September. Oh, it's July. July, you were close. And the day, just for fun. 27th. Oh, 26th. Yeah, that's not bad. Uh, yes, Seth Rollins. Anyway, up next after Seth Rollins, who did Seth Rollins lose to? Um, Sami Zayn? Oh, no, 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 no. Come on. Uh, it's a guy who... I'm not going to... I can't give Pac. you any... Neville. No, not Neville. Neville's just... Uh, no, before him. It's a guy who is in WWE now and has been featured every, very a lot of championships. Very funny. funny. Who's the funniest guy on Twitter? Uh, Big E. Big E was the champion there. Yeah, he used to beat people in NXT with a five count. You know, that used to, oh, that's yeah, what yeah. he did. And uh, he beat Seth Rollins in December of that year. He, who then, who did he lose to? Sami Zayn. No, Sami Zayn. This is a guy. I don't know if you can remember he was NXT champion. Bo Dallas. Bo Dallas, is it? Yeah. Well, Bo Dallas was the NXT champion. Who beat Bo Dallas? Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn. Stop saying Sami Zayn. Neville. Said, Neville. Neville beat him, yeah. Right, so then who beat Neville? Sami Zayn. Yes! <laughs> I knew Sami Zayn had won it. <laughs> so won. Who beat Sami Zayn? Joe. No, come on. Who's who's few feuded with Zayn in NXT? Neville. Uh... We spoke about this on NXT update about the rivalries between friends. Oh, Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. This is when we started watching the podcast. So this is the. Uh, I will give you those up. Finn Balor. Finn Balor beat him. What event did he beat him at? You NXT get... TakeOver? No, it was Beast in the East. One of my favourite oh, yeah. ones. So, yeah. So, Finn Balor. Who beat Finn Balor? Joe. Joe, yeah. Who beat Joe? It was the best times in NXT at this point, 2016. Uh, Bobby Roode? No. Just a bit. That's a bit full. Um, with Joe. Who feuded with Joe in NXT after Balor? 
the guy completely changed. Nakamura. Nakamura. Come on, Nakamura. <laughs> and then Nakamura lost to who? You might be caught out with this one a little bit. Joe? He did lose to Joe. And then who's after Joe? Mackin. No. Um... Like I said, might catch you out a little bit. Could it happen? Nakamura. Nakamura won it again. Who beat Nakamura? Balor. <laughs> no. Balor's gone now. Okay, Balor's gone. So now we're getting to the point in time where, you know, it's odd, like we said. Bobby Roode. So Bobby Roode. Uh, one of my guys? No. So we saw him in the tag team match. So who was in the tag team match? In a tag team match. In, in the tag team match. You know, the NXT main event, live video. It's on YouTube. You can go see it, everybody. So in that match, who was in it? You've got Drew McIntyre. Yes, he oh, was next. Drew McIntyre. Yeah. Then Bobby Roode? No. no Bobby Ali Roode. B. So Bobby Roode, McIntyre. Ali B. No. Um, who was the other bloke in that match? Oh, who was the other bloke? Come CN. on. Yeah. Oh, God, eh? <laughs> so. um, then Roode. Yeah. Then no, R- Roode oh. first. Oh, Roode, McIntyre. Yes. CN. Yeah. Ali B. Yes. Yes. Gagano. Yes. Cole. Yes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, you needed a little bit of help, but I think you did quite well. So you did win the first game. All right, so combined reigns then, in the history, how many people have held the NXT Championship twice? You've already answered it. Two. Two, and that would be? Joe Nakamura. Yes, that would be, yeah. And who is the longest reigning NXT champion at this point? Um, guess guess the top five, and then I'll tell you what it is. Joe, just Balor, yeah, Nakamura, yeah, um, oh, Cien, no, would it be Cien? Gano, number five, Tommaso Ciampa, he's held it for two hundred and thirty-eight days. At the moment, Adam Cole, two hundred and fifty-seven days. Number three, Bo Dallas. 280 days. Fucking hell. Yep. Number two, Adrian Neville, 287 days. And number one, Finn Balor, 292. So no one's held it for a full calendar year. So no one's held it for a full year yet. Can Adam Cole do that at Portland, Oregon? I thought that would be fun to do, and it turned out it was all right. Yeah. So so our next game, of course, is one of our favourites. Uh, that we're going to do, and it's called. Uh, what? Well, well, do we actually have a name for rummage it? Rummage in my bag. <laughs> Hello, mate. You want to rummage in my bag? All right. So we bought the WWE Kids magazine. How cool was I? <laughs> and uh, we're going to run through it quickly and see what we got. Uh, I'll undo the bag. Yeah, he's undoing it. It's like Christmas every live show <laughs> when we get one of these. Absolutely, <laughs> I love it. It's my favourite game. <laughs> All right, go on then, James. I've done the duties. Oh, got it. Reach your hand in. Reach and... inside. I don't, want to, I don't want to break anything. Oh, my word. That's a big one. Oh, no. Actually, that's quite cool. Oh, no. You're going to like that as well. Look at that. Twisted Bliss. Actual coffee. That's actually a proper... Coaster. Coast. You're getting that for your birthday present. Yeah. Do you know, I'm going to put that away. That's actually quite cool. That's quite nice, actually. I'm going to go for this big one here. Oh, you've got a big... Oh, my God. Oh, well, James. <laughs> it is... <laughs> I don't know what affiliation it has to WWE, <laughs> but it is... You know every wrestler's got a gun. <laughs> you know every... It is, it is a Billy gun. <laughs> Excuse the rustling, but I'm going to... Well, no, I mean, if it's there, then, I mean... Oh, my, you're loading it up. Don't, not in the eyes. How many bullets has it got? It has three. Oh, my, this is going to be... This is... Oh! Oh, <laughs> my the trigger. God! That comes out, doesn't it? Ow! Don't shoot me with them. 
Wow. Right, here, let me have a go now. Oh. It's my, it's my, I'm going to load it up and shoot you in your face. There. Shoot you in your stupid fucking face. Oh, that is going in my eye, isn't it? That is, really is. How do you load it up? You just push, me. push it in as deep as you can get it, James. I can't push it in deep. No, right, pass it. Do me to load it for you. I think I broke it. I think I broke no, you it. Just, you just shove it in there, James. Yeah, have a look. See what's happened. Go on, you show. You, you set me up. Oh, my God. <laughs> it just came off in your hand. That's dangerous. That is dangerous. I mean, and this is a kids' magazine. Game. <laughs> yeah, this is a kids' magazine, and it's dangerous. You yeah. can take the foam off of these and sharpen them into a point. I think I will. So if you walked into a bike, oh my god! You little freak! Take down, James. Oh my god! This is an old, old cabin. Hit the TV, fuck's sake! Right, chuck me that magazine quick. Let me see what else. Ramage around uh, in the sack. What else we got? Oh my god! I got. Is that sweet? <gasps> oh yes, oh, it is. Trust you. I trust me to get one. It's a lolly, but you know I love lolly- lollipops. Reality pop. What the hell has that got to do with anything? It's got. It's a robot too. Have we got the wrong? We've got a gun, a lollipop robot thing. Well, let and, me see what the next gift and is. Sh- oh shit! Let me shoot that. Then. What's your next one? I have got the power of positivity and Bailey the hugger. I'm a hugger. Bands. Bailey's no longer a hugger, is she? Uh, no, she'd quit. Thought I got lollipop in my mouth. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's what they call it. So I've got to go with my four that I've got at home. Put them on. Oh, cool. I've got my, um, oh, wow. got a limited edition Kofi Kingston. Wow. It's gold, isn't it? Gold. Gold. Do you know what? For like £8, that's not too bad. I don't even know how much that magazine is. Right. That's how much money I got. I go, I don't care about WWE Kids magazine. Right, I'm going to go for the poster oh. at the back, James. I think you might want to fight me for this one because it is <laughs> an A-lister. It's the Miz. No, James. No, James. Oh, my God. It's yours and mine, wet dreams. Right, we hold it up this way. So Bliss <laughs> is facing me and the Miz is facing you. And we see who can sit, hit certain points on the target. With my gun. I've just got delivered. All right. We've got two things left in here. One's stickers. Stickers. Oh, fucking hell. Okay, so I've got eight superstars, Dan. They are eight random superstars. Pretty well known, though. All right, go on, guess them. You have to give me a... No, you've got three guesses. They're, they're all current um, superstars. In WWE? Yeah. Um, Randy Orton? Yes. John Morrison? No. The Miz? Yes. Rey Mysterio? No. Samoa Joe? No. The Rock? No. Um, someone Joey who, Ryan oh is that just a lollipop suck for NXT measure? NXT Adam Cole no Finn Balor yes uh, uh, he's injured at the moment at the, he was injured at the Rumble but he's coming back soon uh, he's, he's debuted at Rumble he debuted at the Rumble well 2016 AJ Styles yeah uh, he keeps getting trouble for being drunk and his brother's leaving soon Jimmy or Jey Uso no the other ones older 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 legends Came back at Russell. Hardy's. Hardy's. Matt Hardy. No, the other one. Jeff. Jeff Hardy. He's Irish. Finn Balor. Or no, Finn? the other Irish one. Seamus. Yeah, Seamus. And then you've got, uh, you've got, uh, you've got father and son, think about it, but they're not really father and son. But uh, they are. Angle. No, no, it's the guy who's kind of looked after him throughout the whole thing. The guy's his boy. Who's, who's his, when you think of two guys, when you think of what he is now, NXT and stuff like that and he looks Seth Rollins 
and Triple H. Oh. So when you see that. All right. What's, this, what's in the magazine? Anything interesting? Um, we, we have... We've got, we got time. <laughs> you can win some stuff. You've got interviews with Cesaro and Nikki Cross. There is six awesome posters. One of the Bootios, one of Natalia, one of the Street Profits, one of the Hardys, one of Brock Lesnar, and one of the Fiend. You've got Wrestling Days Answers Your Questions. Um, yeah, you know, you've got a few exciting like the but poster repository. The question is, Dan, is it worth the nine ninety nine a month? <laughs> um, there are a lot of things that aren't worth the nine ninety nine a month, and this is. I mean, you've got some competitions that are so easy I could answer them. Go on, then. Do you to give me some questions, mm-hmm. dear? Right, let me find out. They really shouldn't give me a lolly. <laughs> um, when did Natalia make her WWE debut? Um, when? 2010 when? with the Hart Dynasty? No, 2008. Fucking hell, with the Hart Dynasty. April 4th. Um, I'm known as the Viper. Bobby Roode. Randy Orton. My signature move is the F5. John Cena. <laughs> I've starred in films such as Jumanji and the Fast and Furious. The Miz. I am known as the game. Uh, Seth Rollins. I started the Yes Movement. Uh, CM Punk. I'm known to burn it down. Kane. You can't see me. That would be... Stevie uh, Wonder. Van Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the big dog. <laughs> uh, that would be Brian Adams. The Celtic Warrior. The Celtic Warrior. Fuck him. You shut your mouth. Oh. Dan, Elephant or F1? Go on. <laughs> Do you want to explain to everyone what it is first? No. <laughs> Before you just read in the okay, magazine. Okay, right, well, we have I a game. I mean, a lolly, you're in the magazine. We're, we're live. We're on a live show <laughs> and I'm fucking about. Right, sorry, my bad. Edit this bit out. Oh, shit, you can't. Oops. Um, I play a game, I make a noise with my mouth that goes something like... <laughs> and it's either an elephant or an F1 car. James is the one to guess. He gets three chances to see if he can get three out of two, three out of three, or none out of three. Right, so Dan's already winning the mini-games. I'm just about to finish my lollipop. Dan, first one, please. I can see you in your eyes. I can see you in your eyes when you're doing it. Concentration. <laughs> that is an elephant. It is an F1 car. No, come off it. Coming down a pit straight. Come down your... <laughs> Come down your pitch straight in a moment. Elephant. Easy. You did the fucking that arm. Was, I did the trunk as well. And I did it with my arm, not with mm. my trunk. Right, you are. One for two. Two. That's a difficult one. But I'm going to say that is an elephant. It is an elephant. Well done, James. You well are successful. Woof. So, yes, that is the games that we do. We do it on every live show. Like I said, our fourth live show, we have been live for Wells Clyde, Rumble, Takeover, Blackpool, but like I said, the first American Takeover here. And of course, we've still got so much coming up as well, AEW and all that. Oh, we'll do the schedule in a little bit. But let's first run through the card and maybe have a mass debate. A mass debate as we run through the card. Exactly. So our first match, we're going to look at the Katiga Knox and Street Fight. Dan, what are your thoughts on this one? This one, I like it because it's got a personal feel to it, but nothing really to gain but pride. And, you know, a bit of one-upmanship over the f- your competitor. Hopefully, this is kind of the end of it because it has been going on for a little while now since War Games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, we can we can see an end to it and both women can move on to better and brighter things. Hopefully, it pushes them up the card a bit more than they deserve. I think without doubt, it might be a kickoff match because it's unusual that a takeover 
will have six matches, so I wouldn't be surprised if this is on there. I can't really see another match apart from maybe the North American Championship. But then again, I might be wrong. Uh, these two women have a point to prove here. The result could go either way, but it's nice to see and two women who are getting a chance, and it's not the kind of established status quo. And that's, I think, the good thing with NXT, you can kind of go for others as well, rather than the kind of the, the similar things. Um, but I'm looking forward to that. I think that will be a good match. Absolutely, yeah. It's one that, again, you know, I like the personal feud to it. So, yeah, it should be one that delivers. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, and next up, our uh, mass debate. It is, uh, well, our, our next match is Finn Balor versus Johnny Gagana. First up, what are your thoughts on the match? And then we'll get into the mass debate. This one, it wouldn't surprise me one bit at all if this was a match of the night, a match of the year candidate as well. Both guys certainly know how to deliver, especially Johnny Gagano. He has knocked him out of the park pretty much every single takeover match that man has had. I think without a shadow of a doubt. And I think what's interesting, I think we're going to look at the mass debate right now. What is a mass debate, Dan? I mean, obviously, everybody knows. Go on, explain. Uh, mass debate. It's We get two subjects and we both choose a subject each and we have to kind of prove why our subject matter is the superior of the two. And then we kind of either concede or we just go to a... A null and void draw. Yes, which happened. We overall have a winner. We usually do a three. We'll see what happens here as well. Like we said, time sometimes get away with us, but we're not doing too bad at the moment as we head towards NXT TakeOver Portland. And uh, the, the important thing, I think, is, is to talk about kind of who is Mr. NXT. And that's why I'm going to pick Finn Balor for this one, where Finn Balor over Gagano... Uh, for my opening one, I don't know whether to just kill you straight away with it or let you go first. So why do you think Johnny Gagano is the most important and the kind of NXT in a way? Or do you want me to go first with Balor? Because I've got a great one. Go for it, James. I'll let you deliver your killer blow straight off the bat. So the, the thing is about it is that the reason why Gagano is successful and what it become is all thanks to Finn Balor. When NXT first started with Seth Rollins and everything like that, that was just a developmental league. It was for guys who were eventually going to get the move up. When Finn Balor was going around promotions as Fergal Devitt, he was kind of one of the hottest things going, especially with the Demon character. W might manage to sign him up, and he went to... And that was the start of the magic in NXT. We would never... Even Drew McIntyre and success there, and nobody else since, wouldn't have had it if Finn Balor hadn't gone there, had the fans behind him, and had become as successful as he has done. And if it wasn't for him, then Gagano and nobody else wouldn't have had it done. <clears throat> so that's why I think Finn Balor is so important... Because if it wasn't for him having success and being that successful, and so a smaller guy to do it, you think since then it would have just fallen down or just been another OVW, whatever development little league, rather than saying a special and a third brand. Well, with Finn Balor, as you say, you know, he's someone that joined NXT and then moved up. With Johnny Gagano, he has had opportunities to move up, but he doesn't want to flop like Finn Balor pretty much did. You know, he had one shot at the Universal title. One that had to give it up because he injured himself. Johnny Gagano, he could make the move up very easily, but he chooses not to because he, you know, he knows where his bread is buttered. He knows that NXT is a more better, more superior brand in WWE. He know, and you know, and even Finn Balor re- realizes that now, and that's why he's made the jump up to NXT as opposed to down to WWE. But NXT wouldn't be anything if it wasn't for Finn Balor. If well, Balor, Finn Balor you know, changed the game, but Johnny Gagano improved it. But if it wasn't for Balor, Gagano would not have anything. Get Gagano would never have been accepted. Like I said, Balor was a guy who was deemed too small. And now look at everybody that's come since. Gagano would never have been champion. And someone like Adam Cole, baby. 
boom, we'll never be champion. You know, there's all these things that I think if it wasn't for that, for, don't get me wrong, as a better wrestler, I think it's a different answer. I think Gagano's better than Finn Balor, and I'm like, that might, that might be another thing. Overall, but I think Finn Balor had the bigger impact because if it wasn't for him. You know, he came up and was the first ever Universal Champion as well. The success he had. <coughs> Gagano, you're making me choke. Gagano's going to have to try so hard. But Bala had that success. Now he's come back as a different character. And it was him growing in the matches with Kevin Owens and being in, you know, winning the BCEs that made it so great. <sighs> so I think you're wrong. I think, yes, Finn Balor did change the game. As you said, Johnny Gagano has excelled it. You know, the storylines that he's had with Chompa, the storylines that he's had with Cole, the storylines that he's had with Ali B have kind of improved what NXT is, hence why it's moved to a more superior TV channel on the USA Network. But what about Fuse with Samoa Joe that Finn Balor had and Fuse with everybody else that Finn Balor had at the time and even coming back now and having Fuse with Gagano and his matches are drug enough. You know, I think you're underrating what Finn Balor did with a thing. I think if it wasn't for Finn Balor, Gagano wouldn't be there and that's why Finn Balor is more important to NXT than Johnny Gagano is. Yeah, I'll let you have that one. Alright, fair enough. So, see, that's what it is. I win the first one and we'll try and work it out as we run through. Alright, next matchup on the card. Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic for the North American title. Alright, so in the lead up to WrestleMania 10, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon went through uh, a couple of months of going through house shows and trying to define. And each night they'd do a certain segment of their match in that match to see if it would work and all culminate into that classic there. I love that when two wrestlers wrestle and have that kind of movement. I feel Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic have a chance tonight to cement themselves in the NXT history books by putting on an absolute classic NXT is known for a lot of things, but for, for, for big guys, it's not been the best ground for them. They've kind of shied away from it, and I understand that a little bit. But tonight, these two guys, these two giants have put on the show. We know what these two can do in the ring, and I suspect it will be one of the best matches that we've seen in quite a while. Uh, if everything clicks tonight, like you said, you can see it when it comes to rivalries, when it comes to this. These two guys might be joining the hip. They might be fighting for the NXT title now in a couple of years. US title in the Continental, and in a couple of years after that, who knows? Based on success, but I'm really excited for this one. Absolutely, yeah. Dominic Dijakovic certainly is full of talent. And Keith Lee, we've said it throughout the majority of his matches, that he's built like a super heavyweight, but he moves like a cruiserweight. And, you know, these two guys, they've been wrestling a lot down the line, and I think they can come together and create something amazing. Yeah, without a doubt. Who have you gone for in that one? Keith Lee. you gone Keith Lee? Well, fair play. I have to. Uh, all right, so NXT Tag Team Championship up next. Young Sputed Era, Bobby Fish and Kyle Riley versus the Broserweights. Matt Riddle and Pete Dunn. Dan, they won. Dusty Classic, can they? What do you expect of this match? Will um, it start the show? Like we've seen so many. <clears throat> well, I think this is going to be the undoing of the Undisputed Era. I think, you know, with uh, Roddy Strong losing his title to uh, Keith Lee, I think the Undisputed Era are going to lose their titles to the bros away. And then eventually, maybe not tonight, but maybe a little while down the line, Adam Cole's going to move his. His. And it's going to be all four of them moving up to the main roster just after WrestleMania. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I see that as well. Great minds think alike. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I expect it to be a fantastic match. All right, move on to our next mass debate, or you know, talking about the match where NXT Championship Ray Ripley versus Bianca Belair. Uh, who do you want? Um, 
Well, can I just say one thing? I'm glad it's not Shayna Baszler in this match. Yes, it's nice to see that on the card. Two women's matches, no Baszler in sight. Absolutely. That is kind of the major... Major. Major point in this. She's busy biting um, Becky Lynch on Raw anyway, so we'll worry about it. Well, whatever. She can. She's happy there. So <laughs> she's happy there. biting the neck. Um, Rao Ripley again, hugely talented woman. We've seen her for NXT UK, and we've seen her going up to NXT, overcoming Shayna Baszler well deservedly, and becoming NXT champ. Bianca Belair. She's someone that has all thereabouts, um, and you know she's got power. She's got talent. She's putting a huge showing at the Royal Rumble as well. Absolutely uh, impressive performance. So, again, you know, these two women, both hugely talented, should have a great match. Without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, I'm going to pick Bianca Belair over Ray Ripley just because uh, every time WWE do kind of like the, the, the test they do, the combine uh, at the Performance Center, Bianca Belair, it's up. she is one of the strongest, one of the fittest, one of the fastest women on the roster. And I think they haven't really tapped into that potential yet. We see her a lot in NXT. And like I said, she's had her chances, but come up short. But the moves she can do in the ring are really, really impressive. And I think she's someone that's, you know, you can go a long way in WWE. There's not a lot like her. And I don't just mean, you know, just because of her look or anything like that, just because of her skill set and what's involved. And maybe because, yeah, change monotony. You don't need a blonde, you know, uh, woman, white woman on top of wrestling. Maybe it can be someone else. I think Bianca Belair definitely brings a different flair to it. And I think with her involved, you know, with matches against Becky Lynch, something like that could definitely make a difference. Ray Ripley's great, but she's basically just the same as what we've seen in the past, whereas Bianca Belair is something completely different. And I think that's why she d- she is going to be the more successful, should be the more successful. If I was going to pick between the two, it would be Belair over Ripley. Dan, why am I wrong and why Ripley? Well, Ray is a former UK women's champion. She is a current NXT women's champion. And that doesn't just happen by mistake or accident. That happens by purpose. That happens because it's someone that they want to build a brand around. It's, you know, you even said it yourself. She has got the look of a woman's champion. You know, and she's, again, not your clear-cut, busty, blonde woman. She is her own person. You know, she does things her own way. She's had some great matches against... She's had some very good matches in NXT UK. And now moving up, she can have some even better matches in NXT. But I think Bianca Belair, as if she had the chances Ripley had, she would be as successful as, as she was. If she had the chances, but she hasn't. And why hasn't she? Because maybe she looks different to what Ray Ripley does. And Ray Ripley looks more like a Tony Storm or it's Charlotte Flair or someone like that. They were Jews over Bianca Belair. If you don't go for Belair this, are you a racist? Well, I'm not seeing race in any of this. Are you racist because you see race in this? I don't see race, but maybe she doesn't, like you said, she doesn't get the chances. I, Is I that just because see of race? two talented superstars. I don't see two but women. You would I don't pick see the a white woman. one. I don't see a white woman. Saying? I don't see a blonde. I don't see a brunette. I don't see but you, anything. You would pick but the white one. But two talented wrestlers. And Ray Ripley is the more talented of the two. So you would pick the white one out of the two. Like I said, I don't see colour either, so that's why I think Belair. But how are we going to settle this, Dan? You have to give in because Ray Ripley's won more championships. What do you mean? Oh, you have to count on championships. All right, if you're going to give it a championship, then fair enough. All right, so we've just got one more left then, and that is the main event. The NXT Championship on the line. Adam Cole versus Tommaso Ciampa. This has been an unbelievable build-up, Dan, hasn't it, you know? It has been great. This is all about Tommaso Ciampa, his retribution, getting the title back that he never lost, getting Goldie to come back to daddy. 
Without a shadow of a doubt, whereas Adam Cole is desperate to keep hold of it. He's seen the Undisputed Era not have a great start of 2020, and he's thinking all eyes on him. He doesn't want to be by himself or losing all the gold. But the thing is, Adam Cole's fighting Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso Ciampa is fighting for Goldie. It doesn't matter who he's against. It doesn't matter what kind of environment he's wrestling in. All he sees is Goldie, and that is it. Well, I've no doubt Adam Cole has been a phenomenal NXT champion, but so has Tommaso Ciampa. But I think Adam Cole, for me, go. I, I think if you look at his performances, he was our Wrestler of the Year last year, Male Wrestler of the Year, Adam Cole. And I think he's been he's been awesome for a very long time now. We've seen it. I think, for me, the reason I pick him over Ciampa... I think Cole is the wrestler for the now and the future. I think Chumper maybe his best moment was the end of the Gagano feud. I don't know because the injuries and everything. I don't know. Adam Cole, I feel he's got a lot left in the tank with Chumper. It feels like it's coming to an end. Am I right or wrong? I feel that Adam Cole does have a lot more to offer. You know, he's got his uh, undisputed era thing. You know, he's got his his crew, so he can have kind of like the group activities, so to speak. You know, and he's also got. A lot of potential in wrestling. He's a fan favourite. You know, he's really over. With Tommaso Ciampa, I think his passion for the business, his passion for being champion, I think that trumps anything else that Adam Cole has to offer. Well, I I think that's interesting because you talk about passion, but I don't think there's any doubt that Adam Cole absolutely loves professional wrestling and being a wrestler in itself. And it's not about being the next Shawn Michaels. It's about, like we talked about, being the first Adam Cole. And I think with these two guys, we definitely do see it. For passion-wise, it might be Champa, but I think you say Cole is definitely a better wrestler. For for rivalries, you know, Cole versus Gagano was nearly as good as Cole versus uh, sorry as Gagano versus Champa. Obviously, it wasn't on that level, but I still think it was kind of fair enough. But I think with Champa, if we look at who's going to be useful in the next five years. I think if they moved up to the main roster, Adam Cole is a future main eventer. You'd say that, yeah? Whereas Ciampa, he'd probably be used as Gagano's friend. A bit like he will be the Marty Gennetti to Gagano's Shawn Michaels. And I think with Cole, he is Shawn Michaels in that way. I don't know, because again, I think with Tommaso Ciampa, his ability to kind of play the devilish heel that turns his back on his best friend, even though they've both been beaten down... His ability to just be the puppet master, just his character work and the amount of potential that you can have surrounding Tommaso Ciampa yeah, but Cole's doing is that. just limitless. Cole's doing that as well with the Undisputed Era, controlling them. And imagine if they turned to him and like, be a baby face the way he was. You know, I, I think Cole's got the potential. And I think when you look at it, you know, Cole's definitely, compared to Ciampa in a, in a few years' time, I'm not saying just what they've done. So overall, you probably have Cole as a guy, be like, right, this is the guy I can depend on the next 10 years. Whereas Ciampa, you couldn't, you know? Again, I do believe Tommaso Ciampa is someone you can rely on. Well, you know? I, we, we might have to decide this on the amount of championships won then. You did it last time. And Adam Cole, obviously, you know, North American champ, tag team champ. Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah. He's Dusty Rhodes' classic winner. Yeah, well, Cole's won stuff. I'm going to say Adam Cole over Ciampa. What are you saying? Final thoughts. We've got to have a winner. Ciampa over Cole. No, Dan, we've got to have a winner. It's got to be Cole over Ciampa. All right, you can have it. Well, I have it. Thank you. See, look how happy he is. Uh, which match will... You've already said the, what match will steal the show. You think it's going to be um, Finn Balor-Gagano, yeah? I do. What makes TakeOver so special? Why does it always deliver? What Can can we answer that after watching so many yet? Because it's not packed. 
because the matches get time. There's not one match that goes for like 30 seconds and it's bang over like that. Each match gets a time. Not only that, but each match has a lot of meaning to it. You know, Bianca Belair, she's won a battle royal to get here. Rhea Ripley, she's kind of like the current title holder. She dethroned Shayna two times. Adam Cole, you know, he is the current champion. Tommaso Ciampa, the challenger, he wants his goldie back. He doesn't care who's holding it. You know, every single match, even like the Broserweights, they won the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic Tournament to get here. They're going against the current champions, O'Reilly and Fish. Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic. They've been battling on and off down the road. Keith Lee's recently won the North American title. Needs someone big and strong to defend it against Dijakovic. Finn Balor, Johnny Gagano. Again, this is something that's kind of been going on between the two of these guys. And it's, you know, they both believe that they are top of the NXT game. Hence why, you know, these two are going against each other. Kai and Knox, even that has meaning mm-hmm. to it as well. You know, the war games. And it's kind of led on from that. And it's kind of culminating here at TakeOver. And then the thing is about NXT as well is like you have a big match every couple of weeks where it is. There's, there's not too much filler in it, you know, even though it has moved to two hours. And I'll tell you what, it has been enjoyable, even though having it on the background, whether it is, it flies along as well. And I think that is showing how good a program is. Obviously, there's a lot of good wrestling out there, but NXT constantly delivers on the big show. We are nearly ready for Portland. The live show on the network will be starting, but we don't care about that because before we go, we're just going to run through our schedule because we've got a big couple of months coming up. And uh, first up next week, oh, sorry, next week we're going to have the full TakeOver event that we'll bring out to you. That will be weekend. Yep, and then... Up next, we got the 1st of March, a Magnificent 7 update in NXT UK. It's episode 275. Uh, March 8th, we'll have AEW Revolution. Uh, we talked about bonus predictions last... Uh, bonus predictions, sorry. Bonus points at TakeOver, uh, at our update yesterday. And we will start off our AEW Bonus Point League, down for the very first time. AEW Bonus Point League. Uh, up next... Up next, 15th, it's uh, Elimination Chamber slash Saudi Arabia. Yeah, we'll bring you the best matches, I think, from both pay-per-views. I think that makes the most sense there. And uh, then March 22nd, Dan, it is your mystery WrestleMania. Yes, I'm still not going to reveal what it is just yet, but it's going to be a doozy. It is. March 29th, we'll have NXT update. That is the next time we are with NXT. April the 3rd, we've got the Hall of Fame special. Yeah, this is a huge weekend for us. That Friday night, Saturday night, we'll be TakeOver live on the 4th. And on the 5th, we will have the Mania kickoff live. Yeah, and just a couple of things I just want to say, excluding the live shows, obviously, the Nigel McGuinness was the most listened to podcast since 250. We, I was worried about because I weren't sure, but who I said to Dan off air, I said, who else is doing Nigel McGuinness podcast? The WNR, and that's what makes it special. Folks on British Wrestling, of course, got the Magnificent Seven coming up as well. We'd just like to thank everybody with that. Absolutely, yes. And 300 <laughs> is coming. Yeah, 300. Uh, with ideas about what to do for the 300. And not just the 300th episode is coming either. No, we do have our fifth anniversary. Can you believe that we've been going along for this long? <laughs> Five years. I, this is probably the longest relationship <laughs> I've ever had with someone, James. The longest one I've had ever. Uh, always ends in tears. But no, May the 4th. It's our fifth anniversary, and of course, 300. We've got all those live shows coming up as well. And of course, like I said, the live show today as well. Thank you for joining us. And of course, NXT update yesterday. Next episode of event next week. And so, Dan, final thoughts, hopes, and dreams about tonight's takeover. What is your final wish? Uh, my final wish, again, I hope it's something that delivers. I hope we've got a match of the year candidate this early on. I just, 
hope everything comes together and it is made to be the perfect takeover event. Yeah, the thing I love about takeover, especially a live takeover show, uh, as opposed to anything else, is you can talk it up so much and it all delivers. It doesn't matter. It, it, you can you're not whistling Dixie. You know, it happens sometimes with a rumble, something like this. But with takeover, you can go. Today, you're going to see one of the best matches of the year, and you are going to see it, and that's what we hope for at Portland. Don't forget, you can thank you, everybody, for your shouts and everything like that. You can follow us on Twitter, at WWE Network Review, or... At Vince McDan, WWE. Yeah, that's it. We're across all the Google platforms. Send us an email, the WNR Podcast, at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. Come and find our pack. Give us a like with the WNR Podcast, or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, the WNR Podcast. All the latest podcasts go up there. Same time they do other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. We're live, of course, on Speaker Radio. We're on Stitch Radio and iTunes. We can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. But that is it. We are mere minutes away from NXT Portland. We cannot wait, and we'll see you next week for the entire event. Until then, I have been James Rowlands, and as always, I was joined by... Dan White. Thanks for listening, and bye. Bye.